soccer fans. Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk about soccer games and kicking goals. I'm Corey Donahue. This is the American Outlaws Podcast, where we talk about soccer games and kicking goals. I'm joined by Justin Brunken. Hey, Corey. Hey. What do you think of our catchphrase? I love the catchphrase. <laughs> Never heard a better catchphrase in my entire life. That's the kind of catchphrase that gets you the listeners. Am I right? We yeah, it really encompasses everything we do. Millions I mean, of listeners. We talk soccer. We talk some goals. We're the only podcast out there that talks soccer. Now, you've come mm-hmm. here. We're the only one. You've come here to hear it. You've come here to get, to get the, uh, the info, the insights, the stats, the predictions, we know more than all those pundits out there, except Grant Wall. He's a good one. <laughs> he, knows, he is quite good. He knows a lot of them. Actually, I think we'll be talking to Grant Wall later this episode. Is that correct? Yeah. How do we get Grant Wall on this piece? It's of gonna crap? be like, it's gonna be like This American Life. Act one is us. Act two <laughs> is the interview with Grant Wall and Dan Wiersema and Donald Wine. That's great. I'm yeah, yeah. excited for that. Yeah. Grant Wall's got a new book book out that I am currently reading. Did you know I could read? I didn't, but I do now. That's congratulations. Just learned. Yeah, how's that going for you? So it's probably taking a while to finish that book. (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading it. Can't wait for your insights on the book. (laughs) I'm gonna say a month. Uh, I'm about two thirds of the way through it. It's good. I didn't expect to like it because I don't like talking about tactics that much. And but I I do like it. I like the he goes a lot into the mentality. He goes like position by position. Hmm. And. People listening to this probably think we're like getting paid by Grant, and but we're not. Uh, we just read the book, and it's good. And we we like Grant Wall. He's Grant Wall. Yeah. he's he's been to all of our rallies. Yeah, he's been on this podcast before. Yeah, he was our first big get, I think, on this podcast, and we were nervous as f. Yeah, <laughs> we were. That's good. That's atrocious. Because we, we still are. We still don't know what we're doing half the time with interviews. Well, we're horrible. We're, we Wait. interview people who are good at interviewing, and we're trying to interview them. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> they don't give us any pointers. No. It's like they refuse to like. Uh, well, there's no helping you guys, so I won't even give you any tips. Actually, we did get pointers from one guest, but I'm, well, who? I'm not going to say who it was because <laughs> I don't know if they would want that. But it was very helpful, actually, because I remember them saying, that's a throwaway question. That's a throwaway question. Just ask these three. I'm like, all right. That's, <laughs> that's good. good. <laughs> I thought they were all throwaway questions. I just assumed you'd yeah. like to talk. So we're pretty happy that he actually kept three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so stick around for Grant Wall if you if you can put up with our bullshit for the next five ten minutes. This is going to be a nice short podcast. We got foot golf coming up in a few minutes that we got to get to. Uh, foot golf season well underway. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the foot golf chapter. The American Outlaws foot golf tournament is in uh, deep deep into the throws. We've probably had. You'd think I'd know the exact number, but I think we had fifteen to twenty tournaments around the country in different cities. Um, I'll bet we're through with 10 of them or so. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And everybody's having a blast. I know Hartford had one. Austin had one. Lincoln had one. uh, Modesto had one. um, All over. So if you haven't played foot golf, highly recommend it. Highly recommend telling your chapter leader to host an American Outlaws chapter foot golf tournament. There are a ton of prizes that we at National help provide. uh, World Soccer Shop helps provide. And then the top four finishers, which Justin Brunken was one of them. I was right just going to ask that question. I'm right glad you just brought that up. Nebraska, <laughs> Justin Brunken. This is all about. Woo! This is all. That's Justin cheering for himself. Oh, Don't be fooled for a second, <laughs> listener. There's no one else here. 
Justin Brunken finished first. Well, his team finished. Yeah, Brunken wasn't just me. It was Jared Gerson as well too. Coattails, but this has all been an elaborate ruse to set up a tournament so Justin can win it. Yeah, for sure. For his ego, and for the fifty million dollar prize pool. (laughs) Man, I hope it's fifty million (laughs) dollars. Is my is my mic on? Has my mic been on? Yeah. Okay, great. Why why are you messing with your mic? It just felt like the. Remember when we had to tape my mic button yeah, on because we didn't trust you? On accident. <laughs> no, uh, wa- just happened again. I'm watching, Corey. I've, I'm I'm way better now than I was uh, three years ago to keep track of you. Okay, somebody needs. To. <laughs> it used to be at the bars, and now it's on here. <laughs> I grew up a little bit. Uh, welcome everybody to the soccer podcast, the one and only soccer podcast where we talk about soccer games. Speaking of, there's been a lot of soccer being played. I've watched. A lot of soccer. Oh yeah, I uh, I hesitate to to say this, but you know we we perhaps shouldn't have, but thought we would be in the World Cup. So I took this week off a long time ago, oh, and I was like, oh well, I could go to work, but I had no meetings and or nothing, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch a lot of soccer. Uh, I stole my parents' RV, <laughs> stole a television and a satellite dish. And I drove out by myself for a while and then had some folks come meet me and watched, I'm going to say, every game of the World Cup for the first week. And it was glorious. I am the I know everything about soccer now. Mm-hmm. Just ask me. Yeah. Like I did before. That's why you're on the podcast, Corey. Really and we know that. That's right. Uh, I'm enjoying this World Cup. Have you been watching? I have. Yes. I, <clears throat> I haven't got to, I haven't watched every single game, but I, did, I have watched either every game and everything of highlights yeah. from every game. And I'm like into it. Oh, We've yeah. only had one zero zero draw so far. Have we had yeah, one? Just one, yeah, France and uh uh just a few Denmark. Days ago? No. Well yeah, today. There wasn't one in, today, okay. but we'll be you guys will be listening to the podcast tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well there I was gonna say there wasn't one up until uh-uh. yesterday. But yeah, it's been a great tournament. I think VAR is helpful for that because there's been a million penalties and a million free kicks and uh how do you feel about that VAR? Some people are calling it calling it VAR. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I don't know if it's working the way it should be working. I thought it worked amazingly well the first week, and like pe- they were getting the calls right. They were doing it fast. They were letting the ref, and I'm very skeptical of VAR, by the way. And they they were letting the ref like get it 90 percent of the time. And if he saw it, they usually let it go. Unless uh, like I thought it worked out really well. And then the last two days have been kind of a dicey and there's been a million the players are all now demanding var on every foul and every yeah that's what sucks and so i don't like that it just keeps interrupting the game yeah and they they come back later to it and then i don't know there's some things that just they need to like narrow what var can do i think even more but i mean it's situational i mean we would have loved var back in the day in 2002 or yeah or 2010 in south africa when uh maurice adu somehow played in a world cup game but then the other teams always it would have been against. It's like that would change the whole history of all that stuff. I know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, we we need more time of it. I don't think people getting so angry about it right now is the right attitude. I mean, I yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I, I'd love to hear I what hate, other fans think. I'll tell you what I think. I hate the idea that 
we can score a goal and not be sure if it's a goal for. Oh, like that's a, a good point. Because like you can't celebrate. You're, yeah. You're, there's you're like celebrating with an asterisk. Like yeah. Donovan's Algeria goal. I you see the ref point to the center spot and you see the linesman run to the or the lines person run to the top of the box and you're like, it's on. It's a goal. I'm, yeah. I can freak out. Now you have like two minutes to wait to even make sure and then the, the minute's gone or the moment's gone I know and you've already you already look like an idiot because you celebrated for the last two minutes I already look, feel like an idiot when we like celebrate a goal but they call offsides <laughs> this is now right. like two more minutes of that <laughs> right maybe you're a little more vain than I I don't care about how I look <laughs> <laughs> I care about living in the moment, man. Well, that's getting what I'm the, saying. You can't really, you can't live in the moment anymore. I know. It sucks. Yeah. That's what I really worry about. And that's why I kind of think like NFL may – or does NFL still do it where they have like the, the challenge flag, the red flag that the coach throws out Oh, there? yeah. I think so. They still do that? That yeah, might yeah. be a fix for that. Huh. And they get one. And they only get one. If it doesn't yeah. work right, then they lose it. Heck, yeah. See, narrowing it down. That's what I was See, talking about. Yeah, Americans, narrow- we've got it figured out. <laughs> We got a little something to teach you, soccer. We're fixing FIFA. We're fixing VAR. No, no, this is one of my other ideas I got from the World Cup. You know, I was at work today, and obviously we have, we have it on TV at work. And there's people that don't watch soccer other than during the World have Cup. Have it on TV at work? Yeah, it's amazing. It's horrible. Why? Because you can't watch it. You're like half watching. Yeah, I know. Are that's all I, score that's all, all I can do. I can't take a whole week off, whole two weeks off when the U.S. is not in the tournament, Corey. <laughs> I only took one week, and it was <laughs> glorious. I know. <laughs> I unfortunately cannot do that. But <clears throat> they're complaining about people diving. There's one game. I forgot who it was. The guy rolled around six times, I think, and he almost, like, injured himself more by rolling around. <laughs> and my, my idea is, like, why Panama? can't – if they're doing that, like, take them off for five minutes. Like, if they're yeah. that injured, How hard is they it? have to play without someone for five minutes. Either make a sub or you're off the field for five minutes. We should do a whole podcast with uh, – we should really do this. Corey and Justin, new rules. No, no. With Everyone in this room has to bring one new rule, and then we take calls, yeah. and you have to have a new rule oh suggestion. God. Yes. Next time. Oh, I like that. You heard it here. Call 591-ROCK, <laughs> 591-ROCK, We're so, taking your calls. So real quick, too. Jimmy Pardo. I don't know who that is. It's a podcast I listen to. (laughs) I had to give credit. So the other, uh, you know, talk of the town for, you know, U.S. and CONCACAF fans is like, you know, Panama's performance and like getting destroyed by England 6-1 and be like, is U.S. better in Panama? Is like, what's the deal? Panama was in this tournament, just like laid an egg and and what? Thoughts? You're asking my thoughts? I'm so embarrassed that that team is better than us. <laughs> I don't know if they are. I don't know what your they're, definition they're of better is. They're not better. They just they did the hex better than us, but they're they not a better team. Ten soccer games over two years better than we did. Than we, they <laughs> I know matter. that's what sucks. So they are, are better. Really team. that bad? Evidently, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm going to say. There's well. no way we'd have lost six one to England. No, maybe. No, we would. Well, then we tied them in. What? I know. What eight years ago now? God, it is embarrassing. In a World Cup, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it but was. This, uh, and then I know I know this is, will be this will be out um, tomorrow. So you know we don't know the results of the Mexico game tomorrow. But they even have a possibility of not making it through as well. So no Concacaf teams are through. God, so there might be only one non-European and South American team to make it out. Senegal, Senegal or Japan are the only Senegal's two got left. Two wins, so they should be pretty much through. Yeah, but that's it. Those are the only two options left yeah. that aren't. European or South American, yeah. other than Mexico, depending. Well, but. I'm gonna, 
ignore what you just said because I'm holding off on one of the games until later. <laughs> well, too Thanks, late. You motherfucker. <laughs> We're talking, Corey. <laughs> I thought you t- I thought you watched every game and took the, this whole week well, off. Well, that was last week. <laughs> I was at work today. Well, too yesterday. late. Too late. Uh. Thanks for ruining that, mm-hmm. you son of a bitch. So all those coaches that are getting fired, do we know who our coach is going to be? Ooh, good question. There's this article that said that Carlos has no timeline to create a coach, but I don't know. Carlos shouldn't be involved. So supposedly they said in the <laughs> article. Ernie's involved. I know. Well, yeah. supposedly Ernie has a list, and they're not making the list short, or they're not like having a, a thin net. Like a, they're, they're putting a wide net all over the world. What could go wrong? <laughs> shouldn't they have? Shouldn't they be identifying exactly what we want? We had we've had six yeah. eight months. Well, should oh, we I know. know exactly what we want. Hundred percent. Exactly what our plan is, and exactly and it's what, these coaches. And, and out hopefully, there. this one of four coaches that we have on our board comes available, and we go get them. Shouldn't that be what it is? Or make an offer they can't refuse. If that's the right coach for what we need, yeah, we need to go after them. Yeah, don't get me started on my right coach for what we need in modern soccer. I cannot understand why in the Premier League or like in these big leagues in Europe, <laughs> a coach never coaches for more than two years. Like every coach, it's just a merry-go-round. Every coach is getting fired and getting the other job at the other big team. It's like, uh, what are you looking for? <laughs> there's there's two coaches who have been there long enough in the whole in all the Premier League. The, are they the only two good coaches in yeah, the whole world? I know. And the other ones, you just cycle through them. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree. I don't understand that it makes either. Makes no sense to me. Pick a fucking coach. I just don't understand coaching in him. general and how they how these teams pick coaches. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. It's who have. I mean, the you know, club soccer is way different than than national team, but. Uh, but who are these diamond erupts? We find these players all the time that are like these players that someone just like, man, they watch this video. These guys are absolutely amazing. Let's take a chance on them. Let's get them in here. Example. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but there's, are, there's are a lot of players. Are you like, saying we do that? No. I mean, there's players out there that people take a chance on. They see all these highlight reels and bring them up. But there's no coaches like that. I think Mourinho was one, wasn't he? Wasn't really? he a translator? I don't know. Yeah, you very rarely see young coaches get like a – the chance that they that they need to jump up, I guess. Yeah. But that said, you do kind of just got to earn your way up. Like, I don't know. You, you need the experience, but you also have to earn your way up. It's like, do we play the kids or not? You know? Because you, you can't get the experience I understand without experience. a chance. Yeah. You can't get experiences without chances. But just because you have experience doesn't mean you're actually good. <laughs> right. You got to identify potential, and then you got to give them you know, yeah. the benefit of the doubt and let them run with it a little bit. Huh. Maybe that's what we got to do. Maybe yeah. that should be on our wide net. I haven't heard any. I haven't heard a list that's farther than Osario and some of the MLS coaches, though. Have you? Um, no, I haven't. I can't think of a coach. Uh, Zidane was the only one that, <laughs> that was, comes to mind. That was from Twitter. That would have been <laughs> something. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Oh, speaking of future guest, Grant Wallet has a dog named Zizu, and I had a dog named Zinedine Zidanehu for 14 years. I think so that, we have that in common. I think that means a lot. I think that's a sign. Yeah. Uh, all right, we kind of got to get out of here. Hey, but no, no. Upcoming games, Corey? We, we have some bitchin' games coming up. Is it, do people still say bitchin'? 
<laughs> no, not since early two thousands. <laughs> I perpetually live in them. We talked about it last time about the music I listen to. <laughs> what are they? What are they calling this? They're trying to put this into a series, like kickoff series. Like they're going into like this new cycle, and they're calling it kickoff series. Who cares? This <laughs> why not call it like a new beginning? I hate that this is a new series. No, this is a, should be a new fucking beginning. Yeah, this is an eight year project or a four year project. Yeah, we we went down to the bottom. <laughs> For the U.S. Still men's national much team. Well, we're on our way. We're this, climbing it, a little bit. This better be a new beginning. They better be thinking about it, not just like a whole other series. And that that actually kind of I know it's super subtle. It's not a. I don't know. I don't know why it makes me mad that they don't call it like because you're a marketing guy. Uh, acknowledge where we're at and then <laughs> and then move on. I'll tell you what makes me mad is calling a tournament the international or the tournament of nations. <laughs> like, <what is> <laughs> Do you have one second to come up with a name and you just say, let's see, it's a tournament and it's got nations in it. Let's, let's do tournament of nations. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm just giving you shit. So they did, they did find some freaking big teams. I mean, we have... We play uh, United States against Mexico. Landon's favorite then, team. <laughs> oh God, let's not get started on that. Oh. Love Landon, uh, but that was questionable. <laughs> I know Landon. No, I Landon, we love you, but I don't know your uh, thoughts on this. I don't know if I've talked to you about this. I, I want to uh, listen to. If Landon would have explained himself better. He, I think he would have been fine. He can root for them if he wants, but he needs like, and he has good reasons to root for them if you hear him out. But for them, for him to come out and his his first thing is him in a Wells fucking Fargo commercial. Yeah, it's just disappointing. A Mexico flat or a Mexico scarf, like that was just. Uh, a lack of foresight on his yeah. part. But I mean, what he's done for U.S. soccer, he's awesome. Um, yeah. I just, I think it was just, uh, it's just a little dis- disappointing. It's like that parent thing. It's like we love you to death, but just disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I can understand his reasoning though. And yeah, if yeah. he wants to root for him, he can, but he needs to. And I, he's he's been criticized his whole life. I think he can take the criticism. Yeah, yeah. Like we can criticize him. Even if he roots for our, you know, yeah, yeah, or he can take it. Just anyway. like I criticize you most of the time, and what? you criticize me. What have I ever done? <laughs> I thought I was batting a thousand until now. In life, I know. Yeah. Good point. Sorry. Sorry. Good point. All right. Next up, United States against Brazil in uh, MetLife uh, Met in New York, right? Yeah, and U.S. Mexico is in Nashville. Love Nashville. It's gonna be That'll epic. Be we already, man. Our section's already filling up. Um, we can. Do you like yourself some country music? I like myself some like bluegrass I country. I love that's bluegrass. my jam. I love authentic country too, like non like pop country or like uh, yeah old school country, progressive country, but like so stuff like the that's progressive not, Mexican food. That yeah, like progressive Mexican. <laughs> what does food. that mean? Exactly, I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what progressive country is either. <laughs> yeah, I just said Please it. explain that. But like something different than the recycled old bullshit of like the truck and the dog and the girl and the beer and like we get it. We but, fucking get it. It's been ten years of the same thing. Twenty years, whatever. It's not their true name, but there's a place right else. on that main main strip that it's called the uh, Hillbilly Inn. It's like one name. It's not the official name, but I love that. Place. It's like it's one of my faves. You can get it's the only place you can get cheap PBR, great bluegrass music, and it's amazing. And they're now not a chapter bar. I know. So <laughs> chapter so bars. There's an amazing brewery in town. That is epic sort of venue. That's there. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, the tailgate. We already have that spot figured out by the stadium. Epic. Last time um, we had a bouncy slide there. And we had a mechanical bull before that. So just wait until we figure out what we're doing this tailgate, guys oh, and gals. Uh, You're building it up. Y- well, yeah. Deliver. <laughs> and we got other t- two other games. Yeah, we play uh, Brazil in at MetLife. Uh, the 
the eventual 2018 World Cup champions. That's exciting. <laughs> we got to play them. And then we have, then we have uh, England and Italy and England. Both in England. So we play Italy in England and England in are we England. Talking, are we talking ticket prices for this? Uh, we could talk about the ticket we, prices. I think they're a little steep they are. for a team that just didn't qualify for a World Cup and the team that qualified in our place got beat 6-1 by England. I, <laughs> we were I, about to play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I want as many fans to be able to come to these games as possible, and especially at this time when we're trying the new beginning, not a kickoff series, of getting these fans back on board. And any way we can get more of those fans there, why not do it? I, yeah, I It's think not just about numbers. And I, pri- I mean, pricing. And you put the pricing up. All right. I, I'm going to say what I really think, and then I'm going to play devil's advocate. <laughs> you put the pricing for games up in the 70s, you're going to get the same fans who have always been there at these games, right? You put the you put them down there in the 30s and 40s, which I think I, I don't know the numbers behind the stadium, whatever. But you're gonna get you're gonna open yourself up to a whole new slew of people who wouldn't otherwise attend. Most likely is my guess, right? Mm-hmm. So why not do that when we've got eight years? Take a little hit. I know U.S. Soccer needs money. They need to make money. I get that, but bigger than that, <laughs> they need to grow the sport here and and make money long term, right? Yeah. So and. And just increase enthusiasm amongst American sports fans. All we've always said since the beginning is if, if someone can just experience our section in a game once, they will be hooked and they'll understand what all this is about. Having the ticket prices where they're at will not get any new people to experience it once. You're going to get the same people that can afford that big price and the same people that will be traveling to all these games ever. You'll never get that person to experience it once. Yeah, or if or they probably already have because yeah yeah they correct. probably already have because so they're willing to spend the extra because they're exactly hooked. yeah we need to be, hook new people um, access for all now let me play devil's advocate got it let's go uh, we're bringing in the best two four of the best teams in the world to we're bringing them to the well two two of them we're bringing to the United States it's incredibly pricey to bring these these teams here. We need money in order to grow the game here. We're pricing it, and we're going to probably sell out these stadiums. Why wouldn't we price it so we can sell out the stadiums? Yeah, they're they're thinking short-term, this is what the demand is and how much money they can get at the game, right? Because they're they're still a business to make money. But, you know, there's also a long-term view, and that's kind of what we're talking about. That can also make a long-term both profitability and viable sort of federation to build what we're doing into 2022 and 2026. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's two different ways to see it. We are advocates for one side, and they have theirs. But, you know, we just sent out something asking for everyone's story about, you know, like what this means to them, and we're going to present that to them and hopefully, you know, be advocates for all fans. And that's what I was going to say. We're going to present those stories to them, but we've been telling them this for a long time. Oh, yeah. And um, they they have their... They have their methods, which I'm sure are more numbers based than our than our methods. Like ours are on the ground, boots on the ground, stories. What we deal with, personal stories. Yeah, and people we talk to from the fan side, right? So they're thinking numbers. We're thinking people. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think that's that's a good. I I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want this to, to be just us bitching about U.S. soccer to each other. We're, we understand what they're doing, but we, we see it a different way at the moment, and we're going to uh, continue to push them on it, keep them, keep them uh, accountable, right? Oh, yeah. 
Next up, what we got? We got uh, next got games that we have coming up. up. <laughs> next games coming up. Tournament Nations, first game in KC. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, the women will be down in KC. For I'll the first game. Yeah, Chicago that. and, oh my gosh. Ugh, I got her right uh, uh, Oh my gosh. KC. Chicago. East Hartford, Connecticut. And Hartford. And Chicago. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Against we have Japan, Australia, and Brazil. A who's who of tournaments oh. of this nation. <laughs> Tournament will nations. Be, those games are a lot of fun. They will be fun. Actually. And then uh, com- coming up in July, we have the AO Gamers Cup. Uh, we have over 40 chapters participating this year. You can go to... It's a FIFA tournament. Yeah. So AO Gamers Cup is where um, they do local chapter uh, FIFA 18 uh, tournaments where uh, the winner gets copies of the games, gets a nice trophy mug, and gets into our Champions League, which then can win a all-expenses-paid trip to a game. That's Huge. Right. It's and fun. You and I play every year. We suck. Uh, we, I think in three years I've scored one goal maybe in, gr- in the group stage, and I think it was against you. Yeah, probably. We always somehow remember. get in the loser bracket together. Of course. <laughs> we, we're always the only ones playing with the U.S. team. I don't understand that. It has to change. US that has to US. change. We encourage you to take the high road when you play FIFA. No one ever takes us up Argentina and Brazil. <laughs> Mirkori, you, the U.S. national team. US uh, we can US. never represent the team appropriately and correctly. I'm wondering. I can't wait to see next time we fire it up if it, they're playing Josh Sargent and Tim Weah oh. who they're playing. Well, it's, it's an updated uh, – I hope the U.S. is even on there because it's, it's, <laughs> it's a World Cup, it's a World Cup, World Cup update on the FIFA 18. Saudi Arabia is on there. We're, we're going Saudi Arabia. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, and Tide game in this World Cup. That's way, true. Which blows my mind. So you can, you can see all the chapters participating when they are and everything at theamericanisles.com forward slash 2018 Gamers Cup. Memorize it. Yeah, hey, you can you can rewind it. <laughs> can you, yeah, you can probably just go to the website, go to theamericanalis.com and find it from there, right? Uh, yeah, I have to put up an ad, so I'll do that tonight, Corey. <laughs> I love giving you to do. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Oh, you're welcome. Critiques. That's yeah. one critique right there, Corey. Shit, we gotta go. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you guys don't have to go because Grant Wall is coming up. Grant, I, I do want to give a already pretty much plug his book, but I do enjoy. I, I'm enjoying his book, even though I, I'm a slow reader. But uh, I love Grant and Brian Strauss's podcast, which I listen to every time it comes out. It's daily right now during the World Cup. Uh, Brian Strauss is really funny. Grant Wall and Brian are both uh, very knowledgeable and uh, smart uh, broadcasters and smart uh, journalists. And we're very lucky to have good journalists in this country who um, go the extra mile and and, uh, are super dedicated to keeping everybody in U.S. soccer uh, accountable. So, um, yeah, so uh, upcoming is our interview with Grant Wall. Thank you, Justin. Let's get out of here and go uh, play football league. It's incredibly competitive this session or season. I think you're. Up now, who's on the top? Is it you? Yeah. I wondered why you brought it up. <laughs> Sounds right. All right. All right. I'm going to catch up to you. And uh, thank you, listener, for listening to the soccer podcast where we talk about soccer games and kicking goals. Uh, thanks, guys, for being American Outlaws members. We will uh, talk to you next week. Stick around for Grant Wall. All right. See you. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't turn this episode off. Guys, we're still here. Hey, it's Donald here. Um, The soccer podcast is still going. I got my buddy Dan here, and we have taken over this show. Hey, Dan. Hi, Donald. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we have the keys to the podcast now, and we are in charge. What should we do? (laughs) 
finally, all my dreams are, are, are finally coming true. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got a lot a lot to get off my chest. No, actually, um, you know, I've got a, I got a great idea. Let's let's bring in some um, a reporter. We've got one of the premier soccer journalists in the country. Um, he's actually got a new book out. Uh, he's a terrific podcaster, a uh, host of his own uh, on Sports Illustrated, um, but he's on ours today. Um, he's also an analyst for Fox Sports during uh, this World Cup that uh, is our, our U.S. soccer fan sad nap. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering the name, though. Donald, can you help me out here? Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Russia, uh, we have Grant Wall. Grant, thanks for joining us and welcome to the American Outlaws podcast. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you on. Okay, you know what? So before we start with the questions, we have to address an elephant in the room. You have been in Russia for a few weeks now. How many people have called you Michael Bradley? Only one. Only, Only one. one? <laughs> uh, it was uh, very early. It might have even been before the tournament started, but I was in my hotel here, and this guy just looks at me and goes, Michael Bradley? And I look at him, and for a second, I thought about not saying no, um, but I did. I said no. <laughs> You broke his um, heart. <laughs> actually, I, I think we're going to get some good content at some point uh, if Michael is still at, you know, with the U.S. men's national team at a qualifier in Central America. I was going to like put on a Michael Bradley U.S. jersey while the U.S. is there and go to the mall and bring a camera and just see how many people think it really is Michael Bradley wearing his jersey that says Bradley on the back to the mall on the day of the game. I'm pretty sure, oh. I don't think, you know, it could be five years from now, and I think that still might be a good segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don, Donald knows this story, but uh, after the USA-Mexico World Cup qualifier in Mexico City, our, our mutual friend uh, Joe was in airport lounge with myself and and we were waiting for our flight out of mexico city and uh our friend joe also has a striking resemblance to, to michael bradley and uh so we i convinced the airport lounge full of all these people that michael bradley was there in the lounge i was like oh my gosh it's michael bradley and i made a big deal out of it and i, I got his autograph and all of that and then actual michael bradley came into the lounge and they, I think they had a picture on. In, in, uh, this is this was right in the lounge. They took a picture of the two of them together, and it was like one of them is Michael Bradley, and one of them is not. And they literally looked the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great joke until he actually showed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Grant, how was how was Russia treating you thus far? I mean, you've been there for a few weeks, and is is there one thing that kind of defines the trip so far? You know, I, I realize when I go to a World Cup or an Olympics that where you are is not how it typically is there. And it's kind of like you're in an amusement park that happens to be in Moscow, uh, which is the case for me here. So um, I've had a good experience. It's my first time in Russia, uh, first time ever in Moscow. And uh, it's a different type of World Cup for me. Usually I travel around to the U.S. games. And obviously there are no U.S. games. Um, and so usually I see more of the country than I am here. But I've literally been every day in Moscow. I have actually yet to go to a game yet and may not go to a game until the final. Um, just because I have so much stuff that I'm doing for Sports Illustrated and for Fox, um, I literally need to see every game uh, because I write a, a daily 
uh, written column for Sports Illustrated's websites on the games that took place that day that goes up right after the final whistle of the final game. And so if I'm traveling to see games, I'm not seeing other games. Uh, so it's been a little different that way, but I'm also using like my access uh, abilities to get interviews for our daily podcast with various people who are on the ground here in Moscow um, and going on the nightly world cup tonight show on, on Fox, which has been a lot of fun. So it's, I probably produced far more work than any world cup I've ever been at before, even though I have yet to see a game yet in person. Well, how weird is it to, I mean, and, and maybe other people have commented on it. I mean, like it has to be bizarre covering a world cup that doesn't feature the United States. Yeah, it's totally strange. Um, you know, you're so used to it. This is my seventh men's world cup to cover uh, the first one without a U.S. team in it. And, you know, usually the U.S. totally dominates any of the coverage I'm involved in as long as the U.S. is in the tournament. And then there's a big shift once the U.S. is out of the tournament and you start covering the rest of the tournament. But, you know, I remember in 2002, you know, the U.S. went all the way to the quarterfinals. So I barely covered the rest of the World Cup. And here it's all the rest of the World Cup. <laughs> and so I can't wait for the U.S. to be back in, in the World Cup. Uh in 22, uh, and 2019. Um, and so, yeah. Um, but I sort of accepted the situation a long time ago and, uh, and certainly enjoying, uh, all the storylines in this world cup and, and being around it and, uh, putting a lot of my thoughts out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of world cups, um, obviously a little bit further down the road, but this will obviously, uh, kind of dovetail into, the U.S. hosting a World Cup is uh, going to be a big news item, and 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 certainly hope uh, you're you're a, a part of of that coverage as well. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the United bid. You know, we obviously we won the right to host with Canada and Mexico, and uh, Canada and Mexico. Um, we're obviously really excited about the World Cup returning. So you know, what do you think the biggest impact is going to be um, on on the joint bid being held in 2026 here? Well, I, th I can remember back to 1994 and how much that did for soccer in the U.S. Um, and it, this is very much in 26, a U.S.-led bid, 60 of the 80 games in the United States, every game from the quarterfinals onward. And it's great that Mexico and Canada are involved. And I think uh, that's certainly brought the federations closer together uh, over the last uh, several months during the campaign. But, you know, this is mostly about the U.S. Uh, and... You know, I think every World Cup that the U.S. is in creates hundreds of thousands, millions of new soccer fans. Um, you know, it certainly helps if the U.S. is in the tournament uh, because then you create U.S. fans, not just like Lionel Messi fans or Cristiano Ronaldo fans. So I think it's going to be great for soccer in the U.S. I can see it taking soccer from where it is right now and it's already grown so much maybe even beyond what some of us had already you know, expected to to take it to the next level and i can't wait for that i think it's something that those of us who devote so much of our time to soccer um you know we see a world cup coming to the u.s probably you know how many more times in our lifetime um so that's that's really cool and i, I actually think the u.s 
team should be in a position to go really deep in that tournament. Uh, we'll see where they are at that point. Does it, uh, does it soften the blow to, uh, you know, having missed this world cup to essentially have that announcement right before, for this world cup to say like, Hey, not, not all is lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think U.S. soccer needs some good news, right? Um, and this is certainly good news. And it came the day before the World Cup, and there had actually been some concern that Morocco was building momentum. And uh, so to win and win convincingly at a time when, you know, the U.S. is viewed in a certain way in a lot of countries around the world these days, it's, uh, you know, I remember talking to a couple people a month out from the vote who were saying like people inside the U S bid, like saying if the vote were held tomorrow, Morocco would win. And I was like, seriously. And, uh, that turned out not to be the case. So, you know, can you imagine if, if Morocco had one, it would have just been another kick in the teeth. So I'm glad we avoided that. Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking of U S soccer, we wanted to shift gears. We, we know that I guess at the last, right before the world cup started, uh, U.S. Soccer hired Ernie Stewart at, as its first ever men's national team general manager, and will be responsible for hiring the next coach. Uh, we'll get into the the coaching, the the current coach in just a second. But you know, who do you think uh, Stewart might be considering, and who do you think should be considered? Well, I think you can break it down in some ways into domestic candidates and international candidates. Um, I certainly would think that domestic candidates would include Greg Berhalter, uh, Jesse Marsh, Peter Vermees, um, Tab Ramos, uh, potentially like a Greg Vanny, um, and then international candidates. You know, I think Juan Carlos Osorio would be a, a, an interesting hire. Um, and I think that might be a job that he would be interested in. I think it's worthwhile to point out that the U.S. men's national team job is it's a coveted job now in the international market. And so I hope they interview a number of, of candidates that have different profiles and, and choose the best one and don't wait too long to do it. But I'm glad they've waited until after the World Cup because I think there will be some coaches who are World Cup coaches who will be good candidates. I do get a sense that there's sort of a Dutch, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say uprising inside U.S. soccer right now, but certainly the Dutch influence is growing. And I'm not just talking about Ernie Stewart. I'm talking about U.S. soccer putting uh, Nico Romain out much more publicly than they were before. He's been involved in the Federation for three years. He's the head of uh, coaching education. And... So I wouldn't be surprised to see potential Dutch candidates interviewed as well. I mean, I've heard whispers about Louis van Gaal. Uh, I'm working with Gus Hiddink. I think that would be an interesting one. I haven't had a chance to ask Gus if he's been contacted by U.S. soccer. Uh, my hotel here in Moscow, Arsene Wenger, is staying here. Um, I think that would be an interesting person to talk to. Um, so there's there's lots of different possibilities. And is there anyone from you know, the World Cup that, you know, may have been considered out of the realm of possibility, but now given certain results uh, might be a possibility because they may have a free job? I mean, 
Yogi Loeb is the first person that comes to mind when you That's say where that. I was hinting. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and the only thing that would be interesting about that is, you know, he was Jurgen Klinsmann's assistant in the years before the 2006 World Cup, and he was Jurgen Klinsmann's preferred choice to get the Germany job after Klinsmann left following World Cup 2006. And you can be certain that Klinsmann and, and Loeb have talked quite a bit about Klinsmann's experience with U.S. soccer and with the U.S. Soccer Federation. So I have no idea if Yogi Love's going to stay in his job with Germany. You know, what I'm hearing, reading from people who know German soccer best, like Raphael Honigstein, is that the German Federation, which recently signed Love to a contract extension, wants him to stay. And then the question becomes, does Love want to stay, or will he look at this total failure by Germany at the World Cup and say, you know what, I, even though I just signed a new contract, I I think I need to start fresh somewhere. Because he's been in that job for 12 years. So, like, with with Ernie Stewart, like, what, what do you see his role being in, in kind of the overarching view of, of, of the men's national team? Like, is he is, and we don't want to say, like, the coach is the savior or the GM is the savior, but, but certainly this program, you know, like, do you feel like it's on the right track? You know, is Ernie Stewart just one more piece in, in the rebuilding puzzle? Well, it's a new position he's in. And so in some ways, he's going to define what the position is, though U.S. soccer has put out these organizational charts that at least show how they're defining the GM position. I'm still a little bit confused and or questioning dubious of the GM position as they've defined it because they've been very clear about saying the GM does not have uh, youth, the youth side, youth development under his purview. And that's strange to me, you know? Uh, I think that's not the most desirable job, and there's a reason why other candidates that they had spoken to pulled out because they didn't think it was a very good job. You know, and so there's also questions about is the GM job basically a scapegoat position if the, the coaching hire doesn't work out? So I think there's some skepticism. And that's not to say that, you know, I, I'm Ernie Stewart is one of the best guys I've covered as a player and as an administrator in the U.S. soccer community. Um, he's fairly close to the vest as an executive, doesn't share a ton about the, the process that he goes about doing things in, but he's respected by everyone. I, and so this coaching hire is clearly the, the most important thing on his plate right now. And he's not the final arbiter. He makes a recommendation to the U S soccer board, including Carlos Cordero, which would then approve it. But I would guess that they would approve whoever Stewart recommends. And then the question is, what does Ernie Stewart do? Is he, is he like, kind of a scheduler planner type, you know, if that's the case, you know, just for the senior men's national team, then I don't know if that's that sophisticated a job or does he define it by what he does in some other way? And I, we, we can only find out by what he's actually doing in the end. Yeah, it's certainly a lot to remain to be seen. And, you know, for for U.S. soccer fans that are looking for answers or, or looking for some glimmer of hope, uh, you know, it, it it still is is a pretty foggy outlook. Um, I guess you know, I guess we'll kind of see as it starts planning out in in the fall. Um, you know, we, the U.S. is obviously 
not going to take the the rest of uh, 2018 lying down. They've got a pretty ambitious schedule with, you know, uh, Mexico and Brazil, rumors of Argentina and Colombia, and then of course uh, a European vacation with uh, Italy and, and England. So, you know, the, the kids are definitely going to get some chances uh, this fall. Yeah, and I'm really excited about those are six really good friendlies to have in a row. And yes, they're still friendlies, but I am just hoping that the coach is hired before the first set of friendlies in September. I think it would be strange if they're not. And U.S. soccer is sort of leaving it open as a possibility with this contract extension of Dave Sarakin and his staff through the end of the year, which doesn't necessarily mean that Sarakin is going to be coaching the rest of the year. It's just sort of an insurance policy for both sides. But um, I would like to see the new head coach come in before six games that I think will be very useful for a developing young U.S. men's national team. And with and with Sarakin, with the news that he that they extended his contract through the end of the year, uh, I know you just mentioned that it it won't preclude them from hiring a new coach. But do you do you think that this is sort of a trial or or an audition of sorts for Sarakin? I don't think so. Um, And I have all the respect in the world for Dave Sarakin. I've been covering him since the late 90s, um, early 2000s, when he was Bruce Arena's assistant with the national team and then the Chicago Fire head coach. And, you know, through his entire travels over the years, both with Bruce Arena and not. And um, I just don't see him as a long-term solution to be the coach of the U.S. men's national team. And he's done what he can with in a difficult position as the caretaker. Um, but to me, I think that would send a message that it, hiring Sarakin full-time would send a message that most U.S. national team fans would not embrace. That's definitely a, an interesting position because there's there's so much uh, gray area subtlety. Like you said, his contract was up, but they don't have a coach yet. You know, there's there's six important games happening here. You, know, you should have a new coach in place, but you know the the whole hopes and dreams of of the men's national team fan base doesn't always work out with with the perfect logistics and timeline of finding the best candidate. So this this seems to be kind of an imperfect uh, uh, imperfect solution. Uh, or temporary solution for a, for an imperfect situation. So obviously we've talked about um, the men's national team intern coach situation, Ernie Stewart is a GM, the United 2026 bid, um, you know, fingerprints all over that uh, from the new U S soccer president. So, you know, so far he's done a couple of things here. Um, Donald and I have talked a lot, you know, from a fan perspective, we're still looking at extraordinarily high ticket prices. Um, you know, a lot of open questions about what the future of the men's and the women's national team look like. So we're, we're just want to pick your brain, what your early impressions are of of Carlos Cordero, um, his tenure as president, what he's done, you know, what needs to be done, what's missing from this whole thing in the early months of his presidency. Well, I mean, you have to look at getting world cup 26 as a success and that's what he is clearly focused on from the moment he won the presidency of us soccer. I just think that they're, were so many things that we talked about 
before the election in those two months that needed to be improved. And we haven't seen enough at all yet in terms of how is this federation going to do things differently and do they even want to do things differently? And so, um, yes, he's created some new committees. Uh, There's been a bit of a reorg in some ways, but they haven't really sold that story to the public and the fans very well at all yet. And so now that the World Cup in 26 has been been won, uh, I think, you know, U.S. soccer, that includes the CEO, Dan Flynn, that includes Carlos Cordero, uh, need to get some stuff, some things done at the federation level, uh, need to get back into what was talked about during the campaign. And so there's some very specific things that need to get done, like hiring a GM for the women's national team. I'm not sure why that has been sort of pushed to the side uh, because that's how it feels. Um, I also think uh, there's just so many things in terms of youth development, coaching education, um, inclusiveness of minorities in the Latino community that we haven't seen much happening. And so uh, I think uh, Carlos Cordero, but also Dan Flynn and the people who work under Dan Flynn at U.S. Soccer need to get in gear. Yeah, that all that all adds up, and I think you're you're right on a lot of those things. Um, Hey, Grant, you, you have a new book out um, I, called I Masters do. of Modern Soccer. And uh, why don't you t- – we, we've talked a little bit about it, but tell us a little bit about it and, and how it's different from some of the other books that you've written over the years. I had a lot of fun with this book because it was, as Jurgen Klinsmann might say, getting out of my comfort zone, um, <laughs> which is Never good for it. everyone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, – you know, my, my first book and most of my career has been a lot about storytelling with the emphasis on that, about the lives of the people involved in the sport of soccer. And I love doing that. It's in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I really uh, enjoy that process. But I also do analyze games, especially national team games. But uh, I didn't play at a, at a high level, certainly haven't coached at a high level. And so this book, the idea in the first place was to take an idea that actually was first applied to baseball in a classic baseball book by George Will, the political writer who's also a huge baseball guy. Uh, And that book was called Men at Work, The Craft of Baseball. And it came out in the early 90s, and he picked four figures to represent the sport of baseball. He picked a batter, a pitcher, a fielder, and a manager picked one person to represent each who was really good at what they did, but also really intelligent at explaining the craft of what they did. So his manager was Tony LaRussa, his hitter was Tony Gwynn, his pitcher was Oral Hershiser, his fielder was Cal Ripken. And it was a fascinating book about the craft of the sport and all the stuff that goes into it on and off the field, but very sport-heavy less storytelling. And so you could do that for any sport. I decided to do it for soccer and I had seven figures in my book and I wanted to get a good cross section. I have five players and then a manager and a director of football. So my goalkeeper is Manuel Neuer. The defender is Vincent company. The defensive midfielder, Shabi Alonso. The attacking midfielder is Christian Pulisic. The forward is Chicharito Hernandez. 
the coach is Roberto Martinez with Belgium now. And the director of football, the sort of moneyball type guy who's in charge of talent identification and acquiring is Michael Zork, uh, who signed Pulisic at Borussia Dortmund. And over a period of two years, I did a lot of interviews with each one of these guys, multiple interviews with each one, uh, where in the case of the players, these were interviews that were different than typical interviews where I told them ahead of time, like, guys, we're going to look at video, quite a bit of it, and I'm going to pepper you with questions about what's going on in your head as you do these things on the field. And it was just a tremendous experience for me because I, I picked the right guys. I picked guys who are either going to be coaches someday or TV analysts, really good ones who were willing to share some trade secrets and things they've learned in their careers. And so in the end, it was just my job to get all this fascinating stuff that I heard in, in all these interviews with the players onto the page. And the response has been really good. And who I've in definitely in, heard? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dom. <laughs> I was gonna say like which, which of those uh, guys was like the the most difficult. Like like I, there's always challenges in writing a book and getting a book. What which part where you're like, dang, I just you know this didn't come together the way I thought it would. You know, like the U.S. failing to qualify for the World Cup would be the obvious one. Um, you know, the first chapter is on Pulisic. Um, the book was set to come out before the World Cup, which is what happened. And certainly it would have been awesome if Pulisic had come to the World Cup with the U.S. and become a household name in the United, United States and a superstar athlete in the United States. Um, so we'll just have to wait four more years for that, I guess. But, um, you know, that was the most complicated thing, and that was out of my control. But I was thrilled with how everything came together in terms of the guys who agreed to participate in the book and give their time very generously and share what they've learned over the years. Uh, and in Polisic's case, I was pleased because my publisher did want to have at least one American in the book. And Polisic is the best player on the U S men's national team. And the closest thing we've got these days to a world-class player. And he could be a legitimate world-class player pretty soon. So um, I was really pleasantly surprised that Polisic was so freaking smart about the game of soccer in the book and held his own just fine with a guy like Xabi Alonso, who's won World Cups and Champions Leagues and has seen everything. And yet Polisic holds his own. He's just he sees the game in a really intelligent way. He watches the game a lot. Um, and he analyzes it and he has a really good mind for it. And he's got kind of a photographic memory as well. We were watching these highlights. I put together a long sort of clip video that we watched together and it wasn't done in any sort of chronological order. It had games in which he's playing for the U S it had games in which he's playing for Dortmund and each new clip. He could tell me the exact circumstances of what game it was, what he was thinking at the time he remembered the play. And finally I said, do you have like a photographic memory or something? And he's like, I remember everything from a game. <laughs> wow. And, and he remembers what he did, what he could have done. I mean, he's not just one of these guys who doesn't think about the sport, you know, a game and then, you know, forget about it right after it's over. 
And I think U.S. fans should be really excited when they read this chapter on Pulisic and realize that he's got a good head on his shoulders and he realizes that he hasn't made it yet just because he's doing what he's doing, that to get where he wants to go, he has to do a lot more. He has to improve certain aspects of his game. And he's very upfront in talking about what those aspects are. Uh, guys, the book is called, yeah, he... go ahead, Dan. Oh, no, I was, I mean, I just, I mean, that, that fills me with a lot of optimism. I know um, from a, from a U.S. fan perspective, you know, we, we kind of are a little squishy in our seats these days and, and, you know, AOs, we're talking a lot about here for the future, and, and there's a lot of young guys that are, are coming up, and, and it's, it's good to hear that we've got a, a kid like Christian Pulisic who, you know, has got quite a head on his shoulder, as, and, you know, it's quite the, quite the, no pun intended since you have Vincent Company, but it's a great company for him to, to be in um, in that book, and I, I think as American soccer fans, we should be optimistic about him and, and a number of young stars coming through. Yeah. And, you know, I think actually the the failure of not qualifying for the World Cup is due to the age group of like 23 to 27. But the, the teenagers that the U.S. has right now uh, are doing pretty well at club level, several of them in Germany. You know, I'm excited about Weston McKinney. I'm excited about Josh Sargent. I'm excited about Tim Weah in France or wherever he ends up going. Um you know, there are some real reasons to be optimistic. And uh, so I'm, you know, wanting to see how they do in these six friendlies uh, against really good competition later this year under presumably a new coach. And I'm also curious to see which veterans stick around. You know, I think it would be insane to not use Michael Bradley or Josie Altador. You know, these are guys who I think really have uh, a role to play moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, The book is called Masters of Modern Soccer. So, guys out there, go grab that from your nearest bookstore or online. Uh, support local bookstores. If you have a local bookstore, I'm pretty sure Grant's face is going to be uh, somewhere in that bookstore. So, so go there first. But if not, Amazon is there for your uh, for your consumption. Grant, thank you so much for joining us uh, on your day off of all days. Uh, the one. <laughs> one of the few days you have off in Russia. Uh, and we're looking forward to see you down the road, my friend. It's a pleasure. Thanks guys. A lot. Uh, Grant, appreciate it. Uh, if anybody heard those little sweet sounds in the, in the, in the background, that's a two-year-old future soccer star offering me up his uh, diaper wipes. So exciting awesome. stuff here. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's a big, he's, he's really enjoyed the world. Cup. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Well, enjoy the rest of the tournament, guys. I'm sure I'll see you at a U.S. game soon. Absolutely. Take care, Grant. All right. Thanks, we'll Grant. see you. Bye. You did it, Donald. Yeah. And, guys, thank you out there for listening. Don't forget, we are recording AO Podcasts each and every week. Uh, on I- We're available on iTunes and SoundCloud. So we appreciate you all as members. We appreciate you as AO family. Uh, I guess we we no longer have the keys to this podcast. We're going to give them back to Justin and Corey. They will pick it up next week, uh, but we will check you guys soon. Dan, Jack, take care. <laughs> Have a good day, everybody.